Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, the Green Tea Show with a Japanese Twist. And now your host, Ricardo Caicedo. This is my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, episode number 10. Thank you all for listening. Today with me uh, is Caleb Holtz, and he's the owner of Boston Tea Rights. Hello, Caleb. Welcome to the show. Hello there. It's good to be here. You're in Boston now, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here in Boston, based in Boston. Were you born in Boston? Uh, no, actually. I grew up in uh, New York, and uh, my family eventually moved to Boston when I was around junior high or so. Uh, so I basically have done you know, junior high, high school, and kind of did some more growing up around here. But uh, in between, I've done a lot of traveling uh, to a lot of places. And t- tell me, what, what's Boston Tea Rights? So uh, Boston Tea Rights is uh, a small business that's that's based primarily around the idea of the experience behind the creation of tea. Um, something here at, for a lot of people in the United States is the fact that we we're not fully in touch with with how our tea is manufactured or created. For us, a lot of the experience pretty much just comes down to uh, finding uh, a tea we enjoy and essentially just putting it in some hot water and preparing it. Um, and so tea rice really came around from the idea that you know, I wanted to experience uh, tea a bit more deeply than that and really see uh, and get my hands dirty, you know, really getting involved in the process of the creation of a tea from scratch. The idea of, of your company is to sell the, the loose leaf but but not process so so people can make it almost from scratch right exactly yeah uh, this uh, the way the way i've been approaching it in the beginning is is exactly like that in the sense that uh, i i give people access to the raw tea leaves and give them the recipes and and any of the help that i can give them really so that people can in their own homes create a tea from scratch of their own choice before you you started the business why did you become interested in in making your tea from from scratch? <laughs> well, um, for me, it's been sort of an intersection. Um, I, I've actually I've been a tea drinker, and actually I've I've been a tea lover even longer than I was a tea drinker. Uh, essentially, most of my life, um, my my dad is a huge tea drinker, and when I was a little kid, I I used to love kind of watching him steep the leaves in the morning before he'd go off to work. And uh, the, uh, the funny thing, I guess it's a little childish, but I kind of enjoyed it, was watching the leaves float up and down in the glass teapot. And I used to call them uh, little tea dragons. You know, <laughs> kind of stoked the imagination there. And, you know, maybe that would be a fun idea for a new tea recipe called like the tea dragon or something. Um, but essentially, I, you know, I've really been into tea for, for most of my life. And as of the past maybe five years or so, uh, I've also been very much into this whole, there's a whole craft food and beverage movement uh, going on here, uh, at least in the Northeast. And so for it, in that aspect, people really get into the creation of the food they eat and the beverages they drink, uh, wanting to really understand the process of what's going on with, with what they have in front of them. And so I've... I've gone through and I've brewed several batches of beers with my friends. Uh, I've roasted coffee with my family. And I do a lot of uh, cooking from scratch at home. And so Boston Tea Rights, in a way, to get back to your question, is 
that intersection between the tea lover and the the craft food and beverage lover in me, wanting to you know take that experience forward. Yeah, there's a certain pleasure in in making things. It's not the same if you buy a beer that if you say I I brewed this beer, even if it doesn't taste the same. <laughs> oh yeah, but, exactly. And that, the yeah, funny fun. thing is too, like it could you know you you brew a beer and it could probably be the worst beer in the entire world. But you still you still love it a lot just because it's something it's your own creation. You did it. You 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 got involved into that experience and really, you know, you made that. It's your baby, and so <laughs> exactly, it's it's very satisfying that way. Yeah. Also, when you when you share it with other people, it's like it's not the same if you invite someone to a restaurant than if you cook for him, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And yeah, as you said, it's sharing that final experience with your friends and your family too. And when, when did you start uh, Boston Tea Rights? So Boston Tea Rights, um, I actually, I'd been working on the, the idea for more than a year now, um, researching the, the tea process, the tea creation process, uh, researching and trying to find and get in touch with, with tea growers. Uh, but the, the company itself, I finally bit the bullet and, and, Launched it uh, in the early spring this this year. So T Rates is, is a is a pretty young company. Um, we've we've been around for less than a year so far. But when you say Boston T Rates, does it mean there's more than one, or is it only you? <laughs> uh, right now, it's it's technically only me. Although uh, I don't know if you you want to count. Uh, I mean, you could easily count if you want to the the friends and advisors I have with me. Um, And, and I do work with some contract people as well. Um, actually, oh, I, I guess you could say T-Rights will become plural as well, beyond just me. Um, this this fall, I'm looking into taking on uh, interns as well to help me out with this project. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So, so that means you you already have like some some bay, customer base? Oh, yeah. We, we definitely... I, I guess you could say for now. Um, I know it's so funny. I get so used to saying we, and I'm not entirely sure why I do that. But I, yeah, uh, T Rights definitely has a customer base right now. Uh, we we get a, a steady order, a steady flow of orders uh, every month, and so it, it's nice to see that this has been going along on, at a kind of a steady pace for now. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely something that seems to be striking a chord uh, with people, uh, you know, here. So it's nice to see that. When, when you when you say about making your tea, mm -hmm. you say that that it's a craft movement or, or you're crafting your tea and and that the people that do it is a tea right. Why? Why do you feel it's important to differentiate it? Um, that's a good question. Um, part of the I guess part of the reason why I I want to kind of make the distinction, uh, you know. Having calling someone who's creating a tea a tea right is to kind of make the the whole the whole action stand out on its own beyond simply being part of a larger crafting movement. Being able to say something more distinctive about it, um, and you can kind of see that a bit when you look around the tea community. You have tea sommeliers, you know, people who are very familiar, who who know the ins and outs of almost anything tea related. And could probably, you know, with a blind taste test, tell you exactly, you know, where that tea was cultivated, the methods used to cultivate it, the methods used to process it, and so by by creating this 
this new word, a T-right, it sort of fosters this idea of building up a new community and and more of a, like an artisan's mindset that specializes specifically in the creation of tea, craft tea. When you when you bring the tea leaves, I read in your site that they're from Taiwan. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, they they're they're grown in Taiwan. How do you package them so that they they don't oxidize when they arrive to someone's house? <laughs> uh, that that's also a very good question. Um, and I, I sort of figured that question would come up. It's tricky for me to answer that right now, primarily because I'm still debating between whether or not to make that, uh, you know, fully public knowledge. Um, I, I have a bunch of friends who are attorneys and everything uh, who tend to be a bit paranoid about this and want me to keep it as sort of a trade secret. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> For now, I have to kind of decline answering that. Uh, but once I figure out whether or not it's, it should be fine to tell people, you know, I'll, I'll be more than happy to let you be the first one to know. <laughs> So what you're telling me is that you, you invented the the process, the packaging, something like that? Uh, before before you, no, no one could do it. In a way, yes and no. I mean, I, I had heard tales of some people who, you know, would, would harvest tea on one, you know, thousands of miles away and then, you know, transport it to another location so people could experience tea crafting. But it seemed pretty expensive and cumbersome the way that they were doing it and so i mean i just did a i did a lot that was part of my year of development was researching and experimenting different ways that could kind of naturally preserve the leaf until it's ready to be processed without affecting its final the the outcome you know uh affecting the final tea that you're creating and so yeah i, I guess you could say like through it was basically through this research and experimenting that i developed this way uh to to basically save the tea. And why why did you decide it from Taiwan? Why not China or, or I don't know? Uh, that, uh, the reason why Taiwan is probably primarily because those were some of the, uh, the first people I, I got in touch with who were willing to work with me on this idea. Um, funny enough, uh, when, I, when I was first approaching uh, developing tea rights, I figured one of the easier steps would be to just find, a, to find growers who'd be willing to work with me to to, uh, to to build this business. When interestingly enough, that was actually the hardest step uh, was finding suppliers, um, which I guess kind of goes counter to what a lot of people think when they first go into a business. Is you know you think you go you'll go up to a supplier and say hey, um, I want to buy some stuff from you. Is that cool? And the reality is, uh, with Boston Tea Rights, I got a lot of people saying no. Uh, whether, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it was really a combination of a lot of people not believing that the idea was technically feasible or a good idea, um, even though I was willing to accept the risk on that. And I guess they weren't. Uh, many people weren't willing to accept the risk on that themselves. So, uh, actually. I, I met the, these uh, growers in, from Taiwan. Uh, they also have a U.S. presence as well, and they make some really delicious tea. The, I met them through uh, a contact who had been in the tea industry for several decades, uh, who was kind enough to give me this introduction. And so they became uh, one of my first suppliers for Boston Tea Rights. And so that's essentially why um, 
our, our leaves are Taiwanese. But in the future, do you plan to have different types of, of leaves? Oh, definitely. Uh, one of the, the big things I've, I've come across through my experimenting was really that uh, like where the leaves are grown and how they're grown has such a huge effect on the, the flavor of the final tea you create. Uh, and I used to think that was simply just, you know, people, you know, promoting the teas from their regions. But it really does, is, does appear to be true. Um, so the, the Taiwanese leaves that we're using right now, uh, they're primarily used for making some really fine oolongs. And so as a result, uh, a lot of the teas we've made, um, they'll have a little bit of this creamy flavor to them. Uh, it also affects... You know the the steeping time you would use for these leaves. Um, so yeah, all these little things kind of add up, which is really uh, kind of neat when you think about it. So uh, again, <laughs> I keep giving you these long-winded answers, but uh, I definitely do want to kind of grow this supplier portfolio. And so I've been in touch with people uh, from around the world as potential, uh, you know, expanding this portfolio. Um, I don't know if you were aware of this or not, but there are actually tea growers over in Peru and Bolivia. And I've been talking with some people uh, who have connections down there about potentially you know, uh, buying some tea from those growers. Um, I've also recently discovered that there are tea growers in the Azores, uh, in the middle of the Atlantic. And so that's another thing that I find would be really exciting is to see how, you know, what the environment at the Azores what effect that has upon the flavor of their tea as well. Interesting. Yeah, it's de yeah, it's definitely very interesting. Uh, at one point in time, you had to make tea yourself the first time. How was how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, um, my very the very first tea I created, um, it, it would you know they were lush, they were green, they had this kind of. Uh, a bit of a little floral jasmine flavor, uh, sorry, aroma. Um, and so I decided I wanted to try kind of wok firing the leaves. And I think I did it on too much of a heat because the leaves kind of came out a bit too brittle uh, when I did that. And so I jokingly named that first batch of tea um, Oliver's Choice. And the reason I called it Oliver's Choice was because the leaves ultimately looked like uh, these autumn leaves um, are, are, we have a puppy, a small puppy named Oliver, who when we go take him out for walks, he loves to pick up sticks and leaves from outside and chew on them and then leave them inside the house. And so it looked like some of those leaves that he'd chewed up and left on the ground <laughs> as a result of my own kind of manhandling them in the very beginning. Um, the, the, but yeah, the, the tea, it came out, it had a nice color to it and it, i mean the flavor was just okay but it still it wasn't you know bitter it wasn't you know this pungent bad tea it, it was still pretty decent and so even though it wasn't the best tea ever and i've made some amazing teas since <laughs> i was still very proud of that particular tea the, the first one that you made was a uh, green tea it was uh, my attempt at a green tea yeah in your opinion, which one is easier, the green one or the black one? Um, I would say they're actually both uh, the basic black and then the basic, uh, what I was doing a, later on, Essentia-style green. Uh, both of those are fairly simple recipes to, to go with. Um, 
especially like the black tea tends to be a bit more hands off since you're letting nature take its progress with uh, the leaves, you know, with a uh, withering and um, whereas a sencha style, you're actually steaming the leaves. Uh, in the end, uh, really, the the most the most difficult part of most uh, tea crafting experience seems to be the the uh, the rolling portion. Um, but again, going to your answer, I would say they're about equally. They're 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 both about equal in difficulty, and the difficulty isn't really all that bad. You have um, recipes for the the green tea and the black tea. Are, are you planning to add for an oolong or or a post fermented tea? Uh, yeah, that's something I would like to do. Um, I've I've been exploring some oolong techniques uh, to see how I can basically you know get the get the pattern down, get the recipe down, so I can share it with the the tea right community. Um, uh, one one of my favorite teas being Puer. I would love to someday uh, develop a recipe to to create just a really delicious earthy Puer tea. Uh, and obviously that one. The act of creating puer takes a lot of time, you know, months to years of fermentation. Uh, but you know, I have some ideas up my sleeves as to how to sort of reverse engineer that. Yeah, if it takes years, then you, you better have it like right from the first time. <laughs> oh yeah, and of course, also I'm looking at um, you know flavor add-in type recipes like Earl Grey and jasmine teas, uh, some ones that people are very familiar with here. So you also plan to add like scented teas and flavor teas? Yeah, that would definitely be something I'm interested in you know, researching recipes to and, and sharing with people. Okay, uh, tell us how. What, what are the steps to making your own green tea? Okay, so the recipe we we share on our site um, is I call it a Sencha style green tea, uh, and I guess I can talk to that first. Um, I basically say it's a sencha style and not straight up sencha because there's a lot more involved in the senchas that everyone's familiar with than simply the process that goes on with the manufacturing, the crafting. Um, they, you know, the Japanese use entirely different cultivars of, of, the, uh, of the tea plant, which again adds to the flavor of the sencha. Whereas uh, in our case, we're using uh, a leaf that's primarily used for oolongs. Uh, that said, we um, basically been uh, developed the recipe using a lot of the same techniques. So, uh, one of the first steps upon opening the bag of raw leaves is to basically steam those tea leaves for about one to two minutes, based on your own personal taste preferences. Now, usually, I will I will steep them personally for about two minutes, and you know this is a very important step, uh, especially you know for those of those of you, uh, your listeners who are familiar with green teas, to basically uh, do what's called a kill green. And that uh, basically halts any enzyme activity inside the leaf so that later on down the line it doesn't oxidize, which is critical for you know black teas and, and oolong teas. So uh, basically you steam the leaves again for one to two minutes, and then you let them cool down a bit, and then you get into the, the rolling process where... You know, you basically bruise and twist the leaf, breaking down you know the cell walls, and so that releases a lot of the tannins from the cell walls, and and um, kind of starts mixing up the, the juices of the tea leaf. So you have the amino acids and some of the initial alkaloids in there, and some of the process can can a biochemical process can occur to further develop the flavor of the tea leaves, um, and then ultimately you then you then dry the tea leaves 
And I'll just, for this entire process, I don't really use any special equipment. Um, like for the steaming, I basically use a vegetable steamer. Uh, rolling, I just put them out on a cookie sheet and start working with my hands. And, and when I'm drying them, I put them in the oven at a, just a very low temperature. And so, as you can see, it really is kind of a simple process. Uh, one of the, the big tricks, and I have to admit this is something I haven't really mastered myself, is what I call the uh, shaping roll. You know, the rolling, I guess you could say, has two purposes. One is, again, to, to bruise and twist the leaf and break, bring out the juices. Uh, but a secondary purpose really is uh, sort of aesthetic you know, for the looks. And getting that really tightly twisted leaf or if you wanted to form little tea pellets. Um, I don't really have any special equipment to do that, and so I have to try to figure out how to do it by hand. And, you know, I'm not very good at that myself. But, <laughs> you know, so if you've seen the pictures online, uh, I, I have a couple pictures of, of the green teas I've made. You can see they look very much still like a, a loosely rolled uh, leaf. But okay. There you have it. Have, have you found that... In any part of the process, if you make a little change, it, it makes a big change in the taste and the smell of the tea? Um, that's actually a good question. I've, um, and that's come up a couple times. It's a little tricky to answer, mostly because I guess the different steps of the process are more flexible than others. Um, if anything, I would say the initial tempering probably would have the biggest effect on the ultimate flavor of the leaf that you're creating, whether it's a green tea or a black tea. Um, in terms of black teas, uh, black teas, I've been finding more and more that how long you wither the leaf, uh, as well as the humidity and uh, the kind of the ambient temperature of the room where you're letting the leaves wither will really affect the, the final flavor of the tea you make. And as a result, I'm, I'm experimenting with shorter and shorter withering times, um, mm -hmm. which actually is going is to be pretty important right now as uh, here in New England, where we've moved into autumn and uh, in a couple months will be winter. And so it gets really dry and cool here. So that in and of itself will affect the tea. The teas you make in the winter are going to taste different from, from the teas you make in the summer. Um, green tea. Again, the you know one to two minutes of steaming for the sencha style can change uh, the flavor, the astringency of the tea that you're you're creating, as well as the clarity of the the liquor. But also, if you let the, the leaves sit out a tiny bit uh, before that steaming, versus you know as it cools down and working it. Um, one other point too, actually, now that I think about it, would also be the the drying process. And I feel this one might be a bit more, no, I guess it, it's universal. Um, what, one of the things I, I like to do is read through uh, research papers and white papers. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, <laughs> big chemistry kind of nerd. And so I like to you know, know the specifics of the process that's going on before I start sharing it with people. And it's interesting to see uh, that the temperature that you dry leaves or heat leaves will definitely affect the, the final flavor as well. Um, I, I recently wrote a very quick blog post about uh, even even how temperature affects the final tea that you have, like when you're steeping green tea. That information came from uh, a research paper um, where some beverage processors were trying to figure out 
an ideal temperature to to pasteurize their iced tea. And, and so here, uh, just a quick backstory is that, um, and, and I'm, I guess a bunch of your listeners are probably already aware that, you know, in the U.S., FDA regulates uh, food and beverages that are sold at market. And so a lot of beverages have to be pasteurized or heated to kill off any potential bacteria before it can be stored and sold to consumers. And so... You know, again, I have that I have that blog post uh, that I put together based on a research paper about heating green teas beyond 85 degrees Celsius. Uh, black teas, um, at least as I've been finding more and more, looking at some meta-analyses, is that they require an initial hotter period when when you're drying them, which further promotes the biochemical process and breakdown of tannins to develop the flavor before it goes down to a lower temperature and you finish the drying of the tea leaves. So those would really be, I think, the two steps uh, in tea manufacturing that probably, at least in the manufacturing process, greatly affect the flavor. Okay. Let's say I'm a total beginner. How how easy is it for me to totally mess up my my batch of green tea? <laughs> um, you know, surprisingly, I think the worst you would get is just an okay tea. And that really does speak to the quality of of, of the farmers we're working with, uh, that they have that they they grow and harvest a really high quality leaf, and I, I think that's been one of the best things about this this business is working with them, um, is that you could make you could mess up every single step, and in the end <laughs> you're still gonna have you know is is gonna be decent. It may not be absolutely amazing, but it's still drinkable. something you could share. Yeah, it's drinkable and something you could share with your friends, and they would be just as amazed that you that you did that yourself. I'm gonna I'm gonna share also your your um, social media. C- could you tell me what's your Twitter and Facebook? Sure. Um, Facebook. It's uh, Facebook.com/slash Boston Tea Rights. Uh, however, Twitter. It's simply Boston Tea Right because apparently uh, the full name is too long for Twitter. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> go figure, you know. But yeah, there you go. Um, I've also have a much smaller presence on Google Plus that I've been playing with and uh, just, you know, experimenting with the different social media. And actually, uh, when I bring on, when I start working with some interns, we'll look to develop our social media strategy um, a bit more, you know, cohesively. Okay, Caleb. So I guess that, that was, that's it for today. All right. Uh, thank you for for accepting this interview and, and it was really fun talking to you. Hey, uh, thank you for inviting me for this interview. It's been really exciting. This is actually my first interview. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. It's been great. I want to wish you the best with, with your business and I hope that many people get to be a, a tea rate. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I hope, uh, I hope things go really amazing with your blog as well. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, take care. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out www.bostontrights.com and also in case you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, you can see the links and show notes if you go to www.myjapanesegreentea.com slash episode 10. Take care. Thanks for listening to My Japanese Green Tea Podcast and 
www.myjapanesegreentea.com. 